Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. Get ready, because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. Welcome to another edition of the Max McGuire Show. My name is Max McGuire. Lots to get into today. Hit that share button if you haven't already. Hit that rumble button, the plus sign, the thumbs up, whatever the app gives you these days. Help me reach more people. Hit that rumble button. Um, I am close to figuring out the best way to do restreaming. That's where I'll be able to go live on multiple places. So we will be rolling out a DLive alternative as well as a YouTube alternative. Yes, I'm going to try to go on YouTube and only broadcast the shows that I know will stay on YouTube. It's too big. It's too big of an audience to miss out on. And I get it. YouTube is compromised. Yeah, but there's a lot of independence. There's a lot of conservative Democrats. Believe it or not, they do exist. And there's a lot of Republicans who still spend a lot of time on YouTube. So I'm not going to write that off quite yet. Going to go live there soon. Um, got a bit of a complicated week going up, coming up. Going to be traveling a little bit next week. So these podcasts are going to be probably from a hotel room. But they'll still be happening. Want to apologize for missing the podcast uh, yesterday. Had a bit of a bit of drama in my life. My HOA board is trying to remove me from the board. I'm a board member, and I uh, had a meeting yesterday that kind of conflicted with the time. Got me out of into a different headspace. Saying, so, you know what? Not the right, <laughs> not the right headspace to do, be doing a podcast. Um, I posted actually a recording of the meeting in my telegram if you want to watch it, it's 12 minutes long it went pretty much as you expected i uh <laughs> i i knew all the procedure all the parliamentary maneuvers they got scared and they rage quit and just ended the meeting without technically adjourning so that's going to be really complicated for them later um so i apologize for no show yesterday but there's lots to talk about because lots did happen yesterday Joe Biden invited Barack Obama to the White House. And as you can see on the screen, this picture of him screaming at Barack Obama while, while trying to grab his shoulder while the entire room pays attention to Obama instead of him has been going viral. It, it, pretty, it pretty much encapsulates what actually went down at the White House yesterday. Um, it's really pathetic. It really is pathetic. And, and during this speech, I'm not going to play all of Barack Obama's speech. I, I, honestly... I don't want to play his speech anymore, but this kind of confirmed, this kind of confirmed what we all have already suspected, what we've all already known, that Joe Biden isn't the one calling the shots. He's not the president. When Donald Trump was president, you knew that he was the president, right? You knew that. Everyone knew that. It was very obvious that he was the president. He demanded everyone's respect and attention when he entered the room. There was never a moment where he was in the room and he was just left twiddling his thumbs with no one bothering him because they knew he was the guy in charge. Not so with Barack Obama. I'm going to play these clips. I'm going to play Tucker Carlson's reaction to it because I think it's very good, though I think it stops short of talking about things that we probably need to talk about as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Joe Biden gives a speech. Uh, Barack Obama gives a speech. And in I'm not going to play the Barack Obama. Everyone's saying don't play Barack Obama. I promise I won't. I, I prepared it. I couldn't handle it. I can't handle listening to the man. Um, so we're not, but I am going to play the bit of Joe Biden responding because when Barack Obama talked, gave his speech, he referred to Joe Biden as his vice president, which, yeah, it's a, it's a joke, a little friendly dig. Um, still not what you should do when you are in front of the quote unquote president of the United States, call him the vice president, but I get it. It's a joke. Joe Biden though, when he started his speech, made the same joke, introducing himself as he always does as Barack Obama's vice president and Jill Biden's husband. Um, almost an attempt. I mean, I, I understand the humor joking that he's not really present. He's actually those things, but it, uh, it rings true given what we already know about what he and the Democrats had to do to get him into the white house and just how few people actually want him to stay there. Here's the clip of, of Joe Biden finishing that joke saying that he's Barack Obama's vice president. Pretty cringeworthy. Let's play cut one. Thank you very much. Please. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Barack Obama's vice president. And I'm Jill Biden's husband. By the way, the only reason Jill's not here today, she's working. Oh, she's teaching. <laughs> she's teaching. Yeah. And so I just want you to know that's why she's not here. Good. Well, 
I've covered, I've covered Dr. Joe Biden before. Strangely enough, when I was on YouTube for the old podcast I was on, um, strangely enough, that was one of the episodes that got taken down off of YouTube, criticizing Joe Biden's um, pedigree, pointing out that that when people call her doctor, yeah, sure, she got a doctorate, and I get that. That's something I've always kind of been um, a little wary of calling people doctor. Like I have a master's degree, I'm not talk, I'm not forcing anyone to call me Master Max, though that would be fun, or the ancient version of Magister Max, though that would be awesome as well. Um, I've always kind of felt weird about people with doctorates. Um, non-medical doctorates, non-scientific doctorates being called doctor. Um, and Jill Biden's one of those. When you actually read her dissertation, the, the stuff that she was writing about, about uh, community college education, first of all, it reads like a high school wrote, high schooler wrote it, as so many of these vanity degrees um, seem. Like when, <laughs> she, It was a vanity PhD. I'm sorry, she's Joe Biden's wife getting a PhD. I doubt she was held to the same standards that other people would have been held to if they were trying to um, defend their dissertation. For her to miss this, she's teaching community college. Let's, let's stop pretending that she's giving a lecture, an important lecture. She had a community college class. She very easily could have rescheduled it to be there, but I guess she doesn't really want to. That's the joke, though. He's Barack Obama's vice president. And I, I promise I won't give, I won't. I have a clip of Obama's speech, but it's not because I want you to see what Obama's saying. It's because I want you to see what Joe Biden was doing in the background. Out of all the times to need a snack, apparently that was one of them. Watch Joe Biden pull something out of his pocket and start munching on it. By moving to fix a glitch in the regulations that will lower premiums. And hand goes into the pocket. One million people who need it and allow 200,000 more. Have a nice little hard candy. Americans get access oh, yeah. to coverage. Listen, listen, he's got low blood sugar. He needs a heart candy. No big deal. It's what came after these speeches that was so incredibly embarrassing for Joe Biden and which proves what I've long suspected, what I've long hypothesized is that Joe Biden's not the one calling the shots. I do not believe that he is the one actually making policy decisions. And I had a book. Um, I thought I grabbed it and brought it in here to my office. It's a book called For the President's Eyes Only. And it's an excellent book. I read it during my uh, during my master's, um, and it it details it details how every president has made decisions as it relates to intelligence. Uh, I think it's very useful. I'll, I'll post it on my Telegram. I'll see if during one of these clips it's long enough. I'll see if I can pull up an image of the book so you can pick it up. I find it really interesting because it goes through the modern presidency and explains how presidents consumed information and decide to make decisions on that information. Different presidents have different styles. So like FDR, FDR, obviously World War II, he had a need to, but he wanted to be the guy in charge. He wanted to be the one making policy. Not just that, he wanted to be the guy that the world looked to as the decision maker. Obviously, he's president. But he took a very hands-on approach to foreign policy, for example. He didn't want his, um, his underlings, his cabinet, to be uh, engaging in foreign policy. He wanted to be personally doing these things. Obviously, again, World War II, it was necessary. So he was very hands-on. You, you fast forward just a little bit to Dwight Eisenhower. He had a very different approach. He obviously came from the army. The army has a very regimented system of decision-making. And he took that army style of decision-making and imposed it, uh, basically installed it into the White House. And he had this concept known as Policy Hill. That's what he called it. Think about um, a bell curve going up like this, a bell curve. He, sat, he sits on top of the bell curve. Now, what he expects people to do on one side are to formulate policy suggestions, bring it up to him, explain it to him at the top of Policy Hill. He would then make a decision, yes or no. And if it's yes, he would then give it back to other people who would go down the hill and implement the policy. He didn't want to be involved in imp implementing policy, didn't want to be involved in brainstorming. He wanted to be like the CEO, the one making the decision, and then giving orders. That's very similar to what Donald Trump was doing, except the difference between Donald Trump, I would argue, and Dwight Eisenhower is that Trump injected himself more into the bottom of that quote-unquote policy hill. He was more interested in making sure that his agenda was getting carried out, which is important because he had so many Obama holdovers, he didn't really have a choice. So he was involved in the implement in the uh, the brainstorming of policies. He uh, Trump was also involved in implementation of policies because, again, he had to make sure that this was actually getting done. 
I say all this because I'm not convinced that Joe Biden is sitting on top of Policy Hill. I'm not convinced that Joe Biden has any leadership style, any decision-making style, because I don't believe he is making the decisions. I do not believe it. I'm sure some book will come out somewhere of someone who claims they're in the room saying that Joe Biden made a decision to do X, Y, and Z. I don't doubt it. They will cover it up. But when it comes down to it, I don't think he's the one calling the shots. And I think it's best illustrated by situations like what we saw in Afghanistan, where Afghanistan started crumbling. We knew it was going to happen, but no one really suspected it was going to fall apart that quickly. Joe Biden was at Camp David. All of his, I believe the Secretary of State was in the Hamptons, um, on vacation somewhere in the Hamptons in New England. Um, well, Hamptons isn't technically New England. In the Hamptons. Um, I believe the Secretary of Defense was somewhere else. There was no one left to make the decisions. So nothing happened. Foreign leaders were calling the White House and no one was picking up the phone. Joe Biden didn't get back to the Prime Minister of the UK for, I think, two or three days in the middle of the collapse of a country where the UK has sent so many soldiers to fight and he has died alongside American forces, Joe Biden wouldn't pick up the phone. You notice these things. You notice that he's not the decision maker in times of crisis because the way our system of government is designed, the president has a lot of power to respond to crises. When, things, when the proverbial stuff is hitting the fan, he has the ability to at least temporarily make important decisions because you can't wait for Congress to act. You can't wait for the courts. You have to act now. You have to act decisively. In these moments, Joe Biden's not acting. You can literally trace it back to all of these different crises in his administration. There is a, a lag. There's a delay in the government's response to these crises. And I believe it's because he's not the one doing it. He's not the one making the decision. Either his chief of staff, his national security advisors, other people have been tasked with doing this, just like um, other people have been tasked. I mean, if, if you read the history, when Ronald Reagan started slipping towards the end of, uh, of his presidency, lots more tasks started de being delegated to other people in the administration. Um, you look at, uh, you look at uh, Woodrow Wilson, same deal. Uh, some people think that his wife was taking over, but things started getting delegated as he became unable to actually discharge the duties of his office. I believe the same thing is going on with, with Biden. And I think we got a glimpse of that yesterday when Joe Biden was in the room with Kamala Harris and Barack Obama, and no one cared that he was there. No one cared that Joe Biden was there because Joe Biden is just a figurehead. He's just the spokesperson. He's just the poster child. He isn't actually doing anything. He's just the guy that they trot out to give a speech when they need an official elected, quote unquote, so-called elected official to make the policy declaration. He's not actually involved in any part of the decision-making process whatsoever. So he is ignored. And I want to play how Tucker Carlson covered it because I think he did a really good job last night covering the two instances. And then we'll play those two clips again. But here's Tucker's take. Let's play cut three. Joe Biden is now the most unpopular person in virtually any room he enters. If you doubt it, watch this. This was the scene at the White House today. Take a careful look at this. You've never seen anything like it. That's the president of the United States in his own house, shunned. Nobody would talk to him. So Biden wandered off looking vacant as a crowd formed around a former president, Barack Obama, who was obviously deeply grateful for the attention. And then it got worse. It got much more poignant than that. Watch Biden try to horn in on the conversation swirling around Obama. Everyone involved in that conversation, including Kamala Harris, who supposedly works for Biden, ignored Biden completely. Biden desperately tried to get Obama's attention. He puts his hand on Obama's shoulder. He even calls him Barack, like they're friends. But Obama blows him off. He acts like Biden's not even there. Ask yourself if you have ever in your life seen anything sadder than this. And you can see that Joe Biden is trying to grab Barack Obama's attention, yelling Barack, Barack. Grabs his shoulder. 
Barack, Barack Obama actually put up a finger like, hold on. Ah, make it stop. It's awful. And that's the picture on screen. Of, I mean, it just encapsulates the whole moment. It really does. I mentioned that a, a book that I really recommend that people read if you're into um, the history of how different presidents have made decisions. I recommend this book by Christopher Andrew. For the President's Eyes Only, Secret Intelligence and the American Presidency from Washington to Bush. Um, I think it is still in print. It's going to cost you like $23 if you want to buy a new copy. But you can usually find this used. I think on Amazon I was looking. Um, a used copy was something like $2 plus shipping. Um, so I, I highly recommend it. Or you can look and see if your local library has it. Or if you have privileges at a local university library, they will definitely have this book if they have a political science department. Um, and international relations department. So I want to play the clips again. I want to play the clips again of Joe, of Joe Biden wandering around aimlessly trying to figure out what's going on and listen to the music in the background. There are a lot of memes that got posted on social media that I wish I could play, but they contain copyrighted music. People taking that and it's just like, all by myself. <laughs> Another one was like, lonely, I am so lonely. I, I thought it was hilarious. Can't play it, but the memes are out there if you want to find it. Let's play the clip with the Marine, I think it's Marine Corps band, um, playing a really sad rendition of uh, uh, From the Mountains to the Prairies. Let's play this cut four. Uh, I guess this one doesn't have attached to it. right there that's the that's that's the other moment other than this him trying to grab barack obama to get his attention the looking around saying what is this what is this and if it if that looks familiar if if him like kind of shrugging and looking around looks familiar and you're a movie buff it should it should remind you of john travolta from pulp fiction it's the same moment it's the same moment trying to figure out what the hell is happening where am i why am I here? Oh, the memes have become real. <laughs> this is, these are memes in real life at this point. So let's go ahead and, and, and play that second one again without Tucker Carlson commenting on it, without um, the Fox News ticker or anything. Let's play him trying to get, desperately trying to get Barack Obama's attention. Let's play Cut 5. Kamala sees him, turns around, ignores him. <laughs> the music. Good or bad, happy or sad. <laughs> Grabs his shoulder, trying to get his attention. He's put a finger. Hold on. Do you, do you act like that to a president? Is that what how a president gets treated? No, hold on. Hold on. Talk to this person. I love the music. Good, bad, happy, or sad. <laughs> and listen, we've all been in a situation like this where you're in a group of people and they're all huddled in a circle and you're trying to get into the circle, get into the conversation. You weren't there when it started. Trying to get in, can't get in, trying to figure out how you can get involved. We've all been there. But, we, but when it happens to us... We're not the president of the United States just getting gun, giving a speech in his own house. This was in the White House. This is the, pre the so-called president of the United States giving a speech in his own house, then getting snubbed. Walking around the, uh, around the floor, trying to get involved in conversations. No one wants to have a conversation with him. That first clip we played when he's doing the John Travolta, looking around saying, what's going on? He walked past Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi had nothing to say to him. Just let that sink in. The president, president asterisk, it really, my fingers are getting sore doing these air quotes so much, but I have to do them for the video <laughs> audience. And also, if you're listening to audio, just know when I call him president, it's with a, it's, it's, it's with, we'll call it a, a high, high, high degree of skepticism and disdain for that term that he, that he claims to hold. He walked right past Nancy Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi had nothing to say to him. Nothing to say to him. She pretended like he wasn't even there. This is how you know that they're done with Biden. He got them what they wanted, what they stole, 
They got him into the White House, got Trump gone, and now they're willing to push him aside, likely for this one right here, Kamala. That's likely who they have coming next. I don't know. I mean, I, I look at this and it's just very obvious. It's just very obvious to me that Joe Biden's not calling the shot, calling the shots. This was in his own home. <laughs> this was in his own home. And I want, you to, I want you to see what the rest of the world is, is saying about this. This comes to us from the Daily Mail, a UK outlet. Title headline is, but I'm the president now. Staff ignore Joe Biden and flock to Barack Obama during ex-president's first trip back to the White House. I mean, that, that's pretty accurate. And when you, when you realize that most of Joe Biden's staff are Obama, not holdovers, but like re returnees, like they're Obama officials, ex-Obama officials, then flocking to Obama makes sense. But it definitely gives credence to this theory that many of us have held for a long time which is that Barack Obama is actually the one calling the shots. Just because he hasn't been on the scene doesn't mean that he isn't the one calling the shots. And the fact that Joe Biden's staff abandoned him, abandoned him after, after a speech that he just made to go mob Barack Obama, and again, left him looking around like John Travolta, it's, it, come on. Come on, guys. And I know some people looked at the headline for today's show, Joe Biden is not president. And, and I saw a couple of people on Telegram saying, yeah, we know that, but nothing's ever going to happen. Yeah, Joe Biden's not going to be removed until we remove him. There is no redo on Electoral College certification and inauguration. You can't skin that cat. There is no mechanism for it. He could be forced out through um, either being convicted of a crime, theoretically. He could be forced out through impeachment. He could be forced to resign. Or he can actually be, um, he could lose an election. Those are really the four ways that we can get him out. There's no, I mean, we, we can talk about election fraud till the cows come home and we should, right? I'm not going to make this show election fraud all day long because we already know, right? The evidence that comes out every day only confirms what we've known for a long time. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to bore you with like, oh yeah, this day we learned it happened here, here. We know what happened, right? We'll cover election fraud on this show. But it can't be every day because we know what happened. And there's no way to unskin the cat. We need to be looking forward and figuring out a way to get this man out of office, either through Hunter Biden's deal, which is getting worse and worse for Joe Biden every day. Impeachment, which is getting closer if we can retake the House with real conservatives. That's the caveat. Can't just be rhino Republicans. Has to be real conservatives in the House and in the Senate, which don't even get me started on the Senate. You have Murkowski, Collins, and Romney now voting for uh, Judge, ja uh, Judge Jackson, the, the woman who is lenient towards pedophiles. I, I was seeing another one, um, another case where a man was, was accused of raping, convicted of raping, I believe, an infant or a toddler, and she gave him leniency. That's disgusting. That's not Utah values. That's not Alaska values. That's not Maine values. And yet these three people, Romney, Murkowski, and Collins, rhinos intend to vote for her we can't we can't just elect people like that we need to elect real conservatives if we do then impeachment is on the table but i i wouldn't discount the possibility of joe biden going down as part of a criminal conspiracy a criminal cover-up because the investigation into hunter biden which we again i've been covering this for years it it, it really freaks me out to see the mainstream media declare that we now have evidence that I was talking about two years ago. <laughs> it's really starting to freak me out. Obviously, we know what they're doing. They're trying to cover their tracks. They're trying to get on the right side of history before this dam breaks. They don't want to be left holding the proverbial hot potato that is covering up Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's crimes when he finally does get indicted. So they, like any game of hot potato, toss it to someone else and try and get on the winning side. We know... We know that what's going on with Hunter Biden is getting worse and worse and worse. We have a clip. Let me see which one it is. We have a clip. I want, I want to jump down a little bit. I have a couple of things of Joe Biden doing a truck speech where he literally leaves and does the Travolta thing again. What do I, what do, I do now? Maybe I'll get to that later. We, we saw a couple of, uh, maybe a week ago, he called Michelle Obama the vice president. Really, really crazy stuff. But I want to play this clip from Fox News explaining that the grand jury that's been impaneled to look 
at the Hunter Biden crimes are now asked, witnesses are now being asked to tell the grand jury who the big guy is. Remember, there were email exchange, I believe, from Tony between Tony Bobulinski and Hunter Biden and others outlining the equity stake in a company they were making, a company that was going to solely uh, pedal influence. So when you hear that Hunter Biden's going around the world selling the family name, this was going to go through a company that was going to be owned by a certain number of partners. And the email between Bobulinski, Hunter Biden, and others outlined the details of that partnership arrangement. And as you remember, covered it last week on the podcast, at the very bottom of that email, it set aside 10% for, 10% would be given to H. Hunter to hold for the quote, big guy. It's been very obvious that the big guy is Joe Biden. I believe actually, I'll have to really re-go through it. I believe that there are text messages that were connected to Hunter Biden's laptop through his iCloud. This is the thing. I mean, out of all people, to accidentally leave a laptop at a laptop repair store. Hunter Biden should have been the last person to do it. He should have been the last person to leave his iCloud unlocked. But crack's a hell of a drug. The iCloud, I believe there were iCloud texts of Hunter referring to Joe Biden as the big guy. So I, I think that that's kind of already been proven, but we now know that the grand jury is being presented with evidence to tell them who the big guy is. Is I want to play this clip. I believe this is cut 10. Fox News talking about this a little bit. His father closer to a federal criminal investigation. New York Post has an exclusive story today reporting that a grand jury asked a witness to say who is the big guy. And Fox News has a story about Ron Klain from a decade ago tying him to Hunter Biden and more. Alexander Hoff ties it together in Washington for us today. Alex, good morning there. Good morning, Bill. Well, the fact that these grand jury witnesses are being called is a sign that this investigation is being taken seriously, but an official answer may up the seriousness for the president himself. Let's go back to 2020. The New York Post then released a bombshell report on a loosely coded email written by one of Hunter Biden's business partners. He discussed the equity distribution Bobulinski on a deal with a Chinese energy conglomerate. It included this question, 10 held by H for the big guy. Now, last week, the Washington Post confirmed that $4.8 million in payments from that same Chinese company made their way to Hunter Biden and the president's brother, James. This weekend, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain came to bat for the family. Of course, the president's confident that his son didn't break the law. Uh, but most importantly, uh, as mm -hmm. I said, that's a matter that's going to be decided by the Justice Department, by the legal process. It's something that no one at the White House has involvement in. Hunter Biden is currently under federal investigation for his foreign business dealings. Here's former assistant FBI director Chris Swecker earlier today. If you go to a, a mark, if you will, the Chinese government or anybody else and, say, and tell them, I have someone who can influence things and peddle that influence and sell it, then that is fraud if the person isn't actually involved. The worst case scenario is that person, Joe Biden, the big guy, is actually involved. Here's another interesting note. Fox News Digital exclusively reviewed emails that show back in 2012, the chairman of the vice president's residence foundation reached out to Hunter Biden to quickly help in raising $20,000. Now, that chairman was Ron Klain, now President Biden's chief of staff. Bill. Alex, more to come. Thanks in Washington. Dana. Ooh, that last bit is important. The White House, Ron Klain, is the current White House chief of staff. Back when Biden was vice president, he was working for Joe Biden in the vice president's residency. Lots of people don't know this, but the vice president doesn't actually live and work um, in the White House. I believe he's in Bethesda, Maryland. It's the Naval Observatory, I believe is the technical term for it. Um, but he doesn't actually live and work in the White House. He's far away. Um, he'll go there. The vice president will go there for meetings, but he doesn't live there. It's not his house. Um, so there was a email sent out from Ron Klain, then working with, with Joe Biden as VP, soliciting money for, from Hunter Biden for the vice president's residency. So for Ron Klain to claim that he had no knowledge or the vice president had no knowledge of Hunter Biden, like where do they think that money was going to come from? Where, where do they think that money was going to come from? Who, do you, who did they think that crackhead philanderer hunter biden was going to 
go to to get $20,000? And why does the vice president of the United States need to ask his crackhead son for $20,000 for a public uh, facility, a public building, the vice president's residency? This is all very strange, all very strange. But no, that that happened. So during all this time that they're claiming that Joe Biden never had any idea what Hunter Biden was doing, even though we know that Hunter Biden took Mexican billionaires, brought him to Joe Biden's office at the uh, Naval Observatory, sat him down for a meeting. A picture was taken, even though we know that Joe Biden met with Burisma officials at Hunter Biden's insistence, even though we know there was a quid, right? We, we know that there was the quid that... Uh, <laughs> that they gave Hunter Biden money. The quo has been the part that has always been a little bit hard to get. Okay, they met with him. Fine. But did Joe Biden ever give them any of anything of substance? A meeting, yeah, it happens all the time. And technically that probably is a form of bribery to, to get a meeting, a form of corruption to solicit money in order to give someone a meeting with someone very powerful. Unfortunately, it happens all the time, happens in politics. In order to get a meeting with, with uh, politicians, you often have to donate to their PAC or to their campaign before they'll let you in the door. Um, they never say it, but it's usually kind of an unwritten, understood rule. That always happens. The hard part has been understanding what happened after that. That's where the details have gotten a little fuzzy. Here's what we do know, though. And this was breaking just today, which is the quo to the quid. Joe Biden wrote a college recommendation letter for the kids of a Chinese executive who was tied, who had ties to Hunter Biden. One of those business executives. Remember when Hunter Biden flew to China aboard Air Force Two? Claimed it was just for pleasure, but he was actually soliciting money and, and trying to get business partnerships with Chinese corporations. Well, one of these Chinese executives after giving Hunter Biden all that money, decided to call in the favor, decided to call in the favor. He wanted the influence and he wanted Joe Biden to write his son's recommendation letter. Joe Biden did. Joe Biden wrote a recommendation letter um, for a Chinese executive. Uh, I want to see if uh, Jonathan Lee, the CEO of the investment fund BHR. Um, the email includes his, his son's resume and says that he is applying for a university at Brown University, Cornell, and NYU. So there's the, there's the quid, there's the quo, the quid uh, pro quo, sorry. <laughs> They're both there, right? How much does a college recommendation letter from a sitting vice president, how much is that worth? How much is it worth? People do crazy things to get their kids into college. We saw fake crew letters from what's her name, the, uh, the actress on Full House. We've seen how very powerful people are willing to commit fraud to get their kids into college, even if they don't deserve it. I mean, beyond just the, oh, we're going to buy the building. We're going to donate money to have a building named after us. They're willing to really cross a lot of ethical, legal, and moral lines to get their kids into college. This Chinese financial executive, Jonathan Lee, wanted Joe Biden to write a recommendation. So here's the question. Here's the question. Joe Biden, time and time again, has said that he never spoke with his son about his business dealings. That when he brought his son to China, it was purely for pleasure. How can Joe Biden write a letter of recommendation about a, a Chinese executive son if he never had any understanding of his son's business ventures? It, it just it doesn't pass the smell test. It doesn't pass the smell test whatsoever. But this is the bribery part of it. They were, they were buying influence. They were buying influence. Even if, you can't, even if you can't prove that Hunter Biden's act of getting them an audience with the vice president amounted to the quid pro quo, this proves it. The guy gave Hunter Biden money and in exchange asked for a letter of recommendation from Joe Biden, the vice president. It's not, a, you can't ignore it any longer. There's, you can't, you just can't ignore it. Joe Biden was involved. He was not just some silent partner of which 10% was being held for him. We know from Hunter Biden's text messages, again, because he left his iCloud open when he forgot 
to pick up his laptop. We know from his text messages that Hunter Biden was complaining that Joe, his father Joe, was forcing him to give over half of his income to the rest of the family. You see, Joe Biden, for all of his flaws, was at least smart enough to demand a piece of the pie, a piece of the action. If Hunter Biden was going to be flying around the world and selling the Biden name, then, Hunt, then Joe Biden better get a little piece of that action. He wasn't just a silent partner. He was a day-to-day, not necessarily managing partner, but he had a role in the day-to-day operations. He was meeting with people. He was getting paid. And now we know that he was writing college recommendation letters for Hunter Biden's business partners. You can't ignore it anymore, people. Hit that rumble button if you haven't already. This is really, really important stuff. But Jen Psaki, who still is there because she has not yet officially quit, Jen Psaki still claims that Hunter Biden hasn't spoken to his son. Sorry, that Joe Biden hasn't spoken to his son about his business dealings. And that Joe Biden has no idea what's going on. Let's play this. This is cut nine. The president has said that he never spoke to his son about his overseas business dealings. Is that still the case? Yes. Yeah, I never spoke with my son about his overseas business dealings, but I did manage to write a college recommendation for a Chinese financial executive, but I never met him. I never understood why I was writing it. I never understood any of that. I just wrote it. I just, we're just friends. We're just friends. It doesn't matter that Hunter Biden got $4.8 million from Chinese uh, investors. It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. I was just a friend. Sitting vice president writing a letter of recommendation for a Chinese nationals kid to get into college. That's just friend. That's what friends do. It's what friends do. Starting to see how this could actually bring Joe Biden down. Because, and, and this is where it gets really complicated because technically DOG, DOJ guidance says that you cannot indict a sitting president. You cannot indict a sitting president for crimes committed before they entered the office. Now, while they are president, once they leave office, as long as the statute of limitations has not expired, the DOJ says that they are fair game. You can go after them. Where this gets really dicey is the fact that these were crimes committed while he was vice president. We've never had a situation like this where someone committed serious, serious crimes, bribery crimes as vice president and then ran for president so that he couldn't get prosecuted for them. I don't know what the answer is, but if, if I was at the DOJ and I was trying to write a policy for this, I would amend the policy so that it doesn't just include crimes committed while president. It would also include crimes committed while holding a position of public trust. I think that's the important bit. If someone commits a crime before they go into office and they're just a private citizen, I don't think you should be allowed to drag the president of the United States out in handcuffs because four years earlier, when they were just a private citizen, they embezzled funds, right? You can't just be dragging the president out of the White House for that. After he leaves, fair game, right? And I also believe that being in office should suspend the clock on the statute of limitations. I think that that is something that definitely needs to be written into the law, that running for higher office, becoming president or vice president, does not give you a get-out-of-jail-free card because most of these crimes, with the exception of the really grave ones, tend to have a five-year statute of limitations. Well, the presidency is four years. So any crime committed uh, more than one year before he takes office, statute of limitations would expire in that case. I think that being in office should suspend that clock and it should start running again once they are prosecutable. I would amend it. I would amend the policy. This is an old policy. It, it dates back to the Clinton days. We talk, I talked about this on the podcast when we were covering Donald Trump's uh, impeachment stuff. I would amend it to, basic, to say not just, that, not just saying that crimes committed while president would be fair game, because it is fair game. If he commits a crime in the White House, he doesn't just get a pass for it just because he's president. Right? He would be prosecuted. It should say crimes committed at any point when he is holding he or she is holding a position of public trust. That's either serving as a congressman, a senator, um, serving on the, ca- the cabinet, right, uh, being vice president, being governor. If you abuse your power, the power that's entrusted to you by the electorate, if you abuse it for your own personal gain, you should not get a pass. 
because you have sought a higher office. No, actually, it should be the other way around. You should be prosecuted more forcefully because we've seen what you've done at the lower office, how you've corrupted that, how you violated basic principles there. You know you're doing it at the higher level too. So that would be my position. And we've never had a situation like this before where we had a former vice president commit these, this level of crimes and then become president right as a grand jury is being impaneled. I, I don't know how this is going to work. I mean, as long as Joe Biden isn't charged, he has no obligation to sit for any kind of deposition. He has no obligation to, to go before the grand jury as a witness. He's the president of the United States. He, under this old DOJ policy, can say this does not involve my presidency. I'm not going. Um, so that, that could really throw a wrench in all of this. But if he does get named as an unindicted co-conspirator, this is going to, going to go downhill very, very quickly for him. If, as we, as we believe, based on the reporting that has broken just in the last 24 hours, if the grand jury is receiving evidence that Joe Biden was that big guy who was getting 10% of Hunter Biden's corrupt dealings abroad, that's going to topple this administration. It's going to take it down. And good riddance, right? But at, at the same time, we want him gone. We want Kamala Harris gone. We don't want Nancy Pelosi to take over. We also don't want to do lasting damage to the institution of the presidency. The left uses that term institution, and I hate how they do it because they're talking about it as if it is something that's perfect and must always be loved and must always be cherished. That's not true with the presidency, but it's a position that, that deserves to be held in esteem around the world. When, when you see that seal, the seal of the president of the United States affixed on a podium, it should carry weight. The first thing that comes to people's mind should be the power that it represents, not corruption, not criminality. So that is, that's my biggest fear out of all of it. Yeah, take Joe Biden down, right? Take Kamala Harris down. Do it. But we have to really talk about who we're making president, obviously. Because this country won't survive much more of this. It won't survive much more of this. If, if another person like Joe Biden gets into the office, I, I don't know how we survive. I don't know how our reputation around the world survives. And, and yeah, the Democrats love to talk about that. Reputation, reputation, reputation. It matters. It's important. Joe Biden has fallen asleep while the world is crumbling, burning up. We need to have a president in office who demands the respect. Donald Trump demanded that respect. As much as the liberal media love to say that, that, uh, that Trump was a, a laughing stock and the world was laughing, when he called a foreign, uh, a foreign leader, they picked up the phone. When Joe Biden calls, they put him on voicemail. We can't afford this anymore. We, can't, we, we won't last. We won't last if, if we have this man corrupting this office. I want to play a couple other things before we wrap up today. There was a speech. Joe Biden gave a speech um, about how he rode a truck one time. And in that speech, he told a story that I believe has already been fact-checked to be false, but he keeps telling it anyway. And there's a bit of gibberish in this story, I want, uh, in this statement. I want to see if you can catch it. Um, he says things that just don't make sense. Let's listen to this. It's about 40 seconds. Let's play, um, I don't know what number this is, uh, cut seven. When I was a young senator, I was a, there was a guy who uh, ran steel from Deemer Steel out to Ohio. And uh, so I decided to ride out with him to see what it was like in the strike. And I was driving, going through Shiloh, Ohio. And, uh, and we, he, he was, his handle was Big Ten. And remember, everybody, all the truck stops were being blockaded at the time during the strike. And he... Uh, he called, he said, Big Ten wanting to come in. I forget exactly how he said it. And the, and the only woman truck driver ever knew I met that day, she said, this is Big Mama, no room. <laughs> Swear to God, true story. Swear to God. He said, he said, I've got a United States senator driving my truck. She said, I got the damn president of mine, so what? You remember this picture I just put on screen. This is how the mainstream media covered Donald Trump. When he brought trucks and truckers to the White House, they used this where he was honking the horn and getting excited. They used this to make him look like a fool. Meanwhile, Joe Biden brings them to the White House and he gets 
celebrated, even though he's speaking gibberish and telling a story that isn't real. It's at the end of that speech, though, that there's a moment. I've tried to turn up the volume. I think that I've turned it up enough. I've tried to pump it up like 12 decibels because he, after that speech, he mutters something as he looks around for help and he mutters, what do I do now? I want to play this for you so you can see, and I hopefully I've turned it up. There is some applause. So that applause is going to be a little bit louder. Let's go ahead and play this. This is cut eight. What do we do now? And they bring up the music. So that was a little louder. He looked around and he said, what do I do now? What do I do now? And as he started saying, what do I do now? Whoever was at the board monitoring and adjusting the levels for the sound system decide to turn the microphone at the podium down and turn the microphone on the band up. So you can't hear him saying, well, what do I do now? What do I do now? I'm telling you, the man is not all there. What we've seen over the past couple days is really frightening. I think we've all had a grandfather, a grandmother, uh, if you're lucky enough, a great-grandmother, a great-grandfather who has reached the point in their age where they just... You can just tell the way they walk, the way they talk, the way they're trying to figure out what's going on. Love them to death, and they've lived a long, happy life, right? But when you get into the twilight of your years, it's just noticeable. You know. You can just tell. If you've had a family member suffer from from mental decline, you you can just tell. You look at it, and you're like, nope, that's exactly it. And then you have moments like this. And I, I can't, I don't know what Joe Biden's saying here. He's either saying that his wife was vice president or that Michelle Obama was vice president. It's a little hard to understand because based on the context, but I want to, I'm going to go with claiming that Michelle Obama was vice president. Let's play this. This is cut nine. And I'm deeply proud of the work she's doing as first lady with joining forces initiative. She started with Michelle Obama when she was vice president and now carries on. So she started with Michelle Obama when she was vice president. I don't know if he's calling Michelle Obama the former vice president or if he's calling Jill Biden, his wife, the former vice president. Neither are true statements. Um, neither are true statements whatsoever. I mean, I, imagine, imagine Donald Trump at, at a podium giving a speech and referring to Melania as the former CEO of the Trump organization. That's essentially what he just, what Biden just did. Referred to his wife as the vice president, a position that he used to be. If Donald Trump had given a speech referring to Melania Trump as the CEO of, of the Trump organization instead of him, the media would have covered it day in and day out. But no, Joe Biden's giving a pass. He's given a pass because the media likes what he's doing. They like what he represents, which is he's a puppet. He's, he's, he's moldable. He's a clay figurine. Well, we're, we're living in this weird claymation where whoever is the director can just take little clay Joe Biden, move his arms around, make him do different things. But Joe Biden's not actually in charge. No one, no one who accidentally calls Michelle Obama or Jill Biden, the former vice president, can possibly be calling the shots. And this is where I don't know. I don't know whether this started as, oh, he's just going to be a puppet and we're going to be the ones pulling the strings. Or if he got into power and people realized just how incapable he was at doing the job and decided to build up these arrangements around him to make sure that the work still got done. That's what I don't know. I mean, I like to think that people saw what we saw early on and realized that he was not all there. But at the same time, if they realized a month in, two months in, that, whoa, 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 this guy, this guy has a brain that's mush, that is going to cause even more problems. Because there have been times in our history, as I mentioned, Woodrow Wilson, um, Ronald Reagan, where it's been alleged that the first lady was the one calling the shots. Well, the first lady was never elected. First lady doesn't just get to be president. That's why we have a 25th Amendment now. 
to make sure that when a president is unable to actually exercise his office, whether it be for physical reasons or mental reasons, he can be removed so that we don't have a situation where the first lady is actually make, giving orders. If that's how it happened, if Joe Biden came in and they said, whoa, whoa, this is, this is crazy. Let's just, we'll, we'll make decisions. I, I, I commend them for at least doing that to keep the country safe. But the fact that that's been kept from us this long um, creates many more problems than answers. So yeah, I mean, where are we at? We're at, <laughs> we're pretty much where we were yesterday. We know that Joe Biden now, I look at that footage and you see the picture on the screen of him, him grabbing Barack Obama's shoulder. I it is very clear to me he is not calling the shots. It is very clear to me he is not the president of the United States. He might have the title. He might have the fancy cufflinks, right? He might have the American flag pin on his lapel, but he is not the president. He is not the one actually calling the shots. And if you wanted to know who is the one actually calling the shots, you saw it yesterday. He was in the room and all of Joe Biden's staffers flocked to him the way they should have flocked to the current president. His name is Barack Obama. And the fact that he is now coming back on the scene suggests that he's no longer willing to, to be this shadow leader quietly. And he wants to get a little bit of name recognition, which is why he, a former president, just gave a policy speech from the White House. Dark days ahead. But we're going to keep covering it. We're going to keep uncovering it. We're going to keep sharing the truth. If you like this podcast, if you want to see more of it, make sure you subscribe to the audio edition. That The audio edition of this podcast is great. If you can't watch live, if you're on the road, it's a great way to listen and stay up to date. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, and Audio. And, and, and uh, Audible. I think it's on Audible. It might not be on Audible yet. But all those links are in the description. Please do subscribe. And if you have an iPhone, if you have a MacBook, if you have an iPad, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Five-star reviews are very important. Helps us reach um, higher levels. Also, we do have a sponsor, PrepSOS.com. It's a great website to stock up on emergency food, emergency supplies. I highly recommend that you do this. If you've been to the grocery store, you know that food is getting more expensive. Well, emergency food is getting more expensive too. And right now, when I was looking at other sites, most of these companies are five to nine weeks out on delivery. Don't leave it to chance. Don't put your family at risk. Go to PrepSOS.com and use promo code MAX, M-A-X. You're going to get 5% off your order. And yes, some of those proceeds will help us grow this show Keep the lights on. So if you want to support the show, if you want to prepare your family for, God forbid, the worst, which we all should, prepare for the, <laughs> prepare for the worst, hope for the best, go to PrepSOS.com. Use promo code MAX to get 5% off. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stamp and fight together. See you tomorrow.